the brown brethren chapter one at the cafe bellevue strict on parade when i'm on it i'm ready to shove blokes about if they do not keep steady come in the acid stow it there or it won't do with me and then you'll be for it swing in the lead them the dowsiest rankers that ne'er add cb or a dose of the jankers swing it on snoggers i'd like them to do it and good god almighty then i'll put them through it off it i'm off then i'll brush up my putties try and look posh and get off with my butties a drink at the cafe a joke with the wenches last joke perhaps for we're due for the trenches then stick to with pride as our mateys have stuck it when kissing the wenches or kicking the bucket from a service song the night had fallen and the cafe bellevue was crowded with soldiers in khaki the day's work was at an end and the men had left their billets to come out and spend a few hours in the wine shop of jean lacroix a whole division was quartered in the district it had come back from the firing line and was enjoying a brief period of rest prior to its departure for the trenches again even here back near the town of cassel the men were not free from the sights and sounds of the fighting at night they could see the red agony of war painting the distant horizon and hear the far-off rumbling of the big guns as the thunder and tumult of the conflict smote across the world the men back from the line of slaughter tried not to think too clearly of what was happening out there in the cafe bellevue where the wine was good men could forget things the cafe was crowded half a dozen soldiers stood at the bar and the patron served out drinks with a speedy hand behind her was a number of shelves on which stood bottles of various sizes over the shelves were two photographs one was her own the other was that of her husband when he was a thinner man and a soldier in the army in the house there was one child a dirty ragged little girl who sat in a corner and fixed a dull meaningless stare on the soldiers as they entered the cafe jean lacroix sat beside the long neck stove stroking his beard a neat white little beard which stood perkily out from his fat chin jean lacroix was fat a jelly blob of a man with flesh hanging from his sides from his cheeks and from his hands he was a heap of blubber wrapped in cloth when he changed his locality he shuffled instead of walking when he laughed he shivered and shook his fat as if he wanted to fling it off he was seldom serious when he was all those near him laughed a serious jean was a ridiculous figure his wife was an aggressive female with a dark moustache the tongue of a shrew and the eye of a money-lender she worked like an ant and seldom spoke to her husband jean wise with the wisdom of a well-fed man rarely said a word to her he sat by the fire all day and spoke to anyone else who cared to listen the sergeant and three men entered and going up to the bar called for drinks these soldiers were billeted at y farm which stood some three kilometers away from the cafe bellevue they belonged to the london irish regiment the battalion had just come down from hullock for a rest having procured their drinks the four men sat down lit their cigarettes and entered into a noisy conversation before going any further it will be well to say a few words about these men the principal personages of my story the sergeant's name was snogger he was a well-built man straight as a ramrod and, and supple as an eel 
it was very strict on parade a model soldier a terror to recruits and a rank disciplinarian when you're on parade you're on parade was his pet saying he had a tendency to use the letter w a little too often when speaking once he said admonishing a dilatory squad you blokes in the weir wank must wipe your wiples with oily wags in future sergeant snogger was a handsome man proud as lucifer and very careful about his person his moustache was always waxed his fingernails were always clean and whenever possible he slept with his trousers placed under his bed and neatly folded thus a most artistic crease was obtained snogger had peculiar ears their tops pressed very closely into the head and the lobes stood out looking at the ears from the side they had an appearance similar to that of a shovel stretched out to catch something seen from behind they looked as if crouching against a parapet waiting for an oncoming shell the men liked snogger and the sergeant preferred the company of riflemen to that of his brother ncos bowdy benners was a different type of man a young fellow of twenty-four slightly over medium height but thick-set and sturdy he had remarkably long arms heavy buttocks and broad shoulders the latter he swung vigorously when marching this motion imparted a certain defiant swagger to the man which his placid nature utterly belied he was of a kindly disposition extremely good-humoured but very self-conscious and blush-red as a poppy when spoken to there was something very amiable and kind in his face something good and comforting in his sleepy eyes his rather thick lips and full cheeks his ears perhaps were out of keeping with the repose which found expression on the rest of his features they stood out from his head alert and ready as if seemed to jump from their perch on to the ground bowdy could drink like a fish but french beer never made him drunk and champagne merely made him merry when merry he swore and his companions laughed at this unaccustomed violence devil blow me blind he would say stretching his long arm across the table at which he might be sitting and bring down his massive fist with a thundering bang devil blow me stone blind for a fool and all the soldiers around would laugh and wink at one another as much as to say is he not a big silly fool not half as clever as we are bowdy was not indeed particularly clever he lacked excessive sharpness of wit but his mates loved him for his spirit of comradeship was very genuine he had a generous sympathy for all things good and noble often when the boys tongues were loosened in a french tavern one of them might be heard saying old bowdy's a damn good sort i'd follow him anywhere even to hell then the others would answer none like old bowdy one of the best he is and a good man bowdy was indeed a good man a great fighter in raids and bayonet charges and balmy encounters he was a force to be reckoned with and never had an adversary been known to get the better of him persistence staying power and dogged courage were his great assets and these when taken in conjunction with his good humour and simple nature made him a loved comrade and worthy friend bowdy was now seated at the inn table drinking beer with his mate an alert youth with a snub nose and bright vivacious eyes his name was spudhole spudhole was a londoner a native of walworth his real name was thomas bubb but his mates nicked him spudhole a slang term for the guard-room the nickname became him and he liked it and was not a little proud of the fact that 
no man in the regiment spent as many days in the guardroom as did rifleman thomas bubb he was eternally guilty of trivial offences against army regulations this was in a great measure due to his inability to accommodate himself to a change environment he was a coster unchangeable and unchanged to him an officer was always governor he addressed an officer as such and the colonel was the old bloke his tongue was seldom quiet and the cries of his trade were ever on his tongue even on parade he often gave them expression he sang well drank well fought well and loved practical jokes once at st albans he dressed himself up as a corporal took two of his mates to the railway station and relieved the military police on duty there mistaking him for a real n c o they left the station in his hands of course he took the first train to london on his return he was awarded fourteen days spudhole when in the guardroom he decided to escape and at the hour of twelve on the first night when a sentry stood on watch outside his prison spudhole broke the window with a resounding thump he then rushed back and stood behind the door he was in stocking soles his boots were slung round his shoulders by the laces on hearing the crash the sentry opened the door sprang into the room and hurried to the window thinking that spudhole was trying to escape by that quarter and spudhole went out by the door he was very good-natured in fact quixotic once a recruit belonging to bub's section was so very slack that the officer brought him out in front of the squad and got him to perform several movements in musketry drill the remainder of the party had to shout out when the man made any mistakes as is usual the onlookers saw many faults and shouted themselves hoarse but bub was silent when the slack recruit returned to his place in the ranks the officer spoke to spudhole did you notice any of those mistakes he asked yes sir bub replied and why did you not say so inquired the officers well i didn't want to give the bloke away was bub's answer the youngster had spent four years in a reformatory afterwards as a coaster he presided over a barrow and a turning off woolworth road his pitch was one of the best in the locality he fell in love with a girl who kept a barrow beside him he often spoke of her to bowdy benners she's not arf a bird he would say nobody can take a mike out of her i'm going to get spliced after the war too near the stove sat the remaining soldier an irishman named fitzgerald he was a thin graceful fellow of about five-and-twenty and could not to judge by his appearance boast of very good health his lips full and red, his straight nose, delicate nostrils, black liquid eyes, and long lashes betrayed a passionate and sensitive nature. He was a thoughtful man, grave and dutiful, but at times as petulant and perverse as a child. Even when most perverse, he was good company. He was exceedingly superstitious. His thoughts generally wandered with startling suddenness from one subject to another, but this was probably due to the use of strong drink he had had a college education but took to drink early and squandered all his resources then he became a rover and wandered through many parts of the world as sailor tramp and outcast he had slept in dos houses on the pavements in the fields once indeed he was a trombone player in the salvation army and again he fought in the mexican rebellion then he belonged to a regiment the soldiers of which had to wear greatcoats on their 
triumphal march through a certain town because of the bad condition of their trousers fitz knew a smattering of most languages but vowed that he was only proficient in one bad language at present he was in a gay good humour and as he spoke to young benners his voice loud enough but very soft and pleasant penetrated to the very corners of the inn do you ever feel afraid bowdy he asked funky you know then without waiting for an answer he went on god i do feel afraid sometimes out on listening patrol it's hell for a man with imagination crawling out in the darkness between the lines you hear the grass whispering and the darkness ahead of you may hide anything an awful face covered with blood may rise up in front a hand may come out and grasp you by the hair the dead are lying around you poor quiet creatures but but you know that they're stronger than you are i often wish i couldn't think that i lacked imagination that i was a clod of earth just something like that plebeian there fitzgerald raised his finger and pointed to bub who was wrapping his idle fingers on the leg of his chair bub gazed at fitzgerald and laughed plebeian he exclaimed i know what that is he had one but the wheel came off no imagination there said fitzgerald with an air of finality he couldn't be afraid that creature no soul i dare ten thousand times as much to overcome my fear as that man would dare to win the v c when i go out on listening patrol i am always furthest out i feel if i'm a yard behind the front man he'll consider me a coward so i get out a yard ahead of him and i tremble all the time god i had a bad dream last night fitzgerald remarked swinging from one topic to another i dreamt i saw a woman dressed in black looking into an empty grave that's a bad sign said the sergeant you'll be damned unlucky the next time you go up to the trenches you'll never come back you'll get done in oh i'll come back safe and sound fitzgerald replied in all seriousness the dream was a bad one and portended some evil and is it not bad enough to get done in asked benners there are things worse than death was fitzgerald's answer death is not the supreme evil but women it's not good to dream of them especially if they're red-haired did you ever dream of red-haired women bowdy bowdy laughed but did not speak women apparently did not attract him much and in their company he was shy and diffident wanting to get away as quickly as possible from their presence he would rake up some imaginary appointment from the back of his head ask to be excused and disappear behavior of this kind though natural to bowdy benners was quite inexplicable to his mates fitzgerald having had a drop of wine was now in a mood to discuss womanhood you're too damn modest bowdy he said and you don't shine in the company of the fair dear women you know the natural mission of women is to please man and man no matter what he feels should try and look pleased when in her company if he looks bored what does that signify bowdy benners eh it means that he has found her ugly that's an insult to the sex to feminine charms and womanly qualities for myself i'd much sooner sin and please a woman than pose as a saint and annoy her women don't like saints what they want most in life is love 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 is the only allurement in existence said fitzgerald rising to his feet it is the essence of life love free and unrestrained not tied to the pillars of propriety by the 
manacles of marriage that's a damn smart phrase isn't it spudhole love is sacred marriage is not marriage is governed by laws love is not nature has given us love it is an instinct and we shouldn't fight against it too much why should we fight against a gift from god some sacrilegious fool tried to improve on god's handiwork and made laws to govern love it's like man to poke his nose in where it's not wanted he'd give the lord soda water at the last supper snoggers laughed boisterously bub chuckled and a lazy smile spread over bowdy's face the gestures of the excited irishman amused them he sat down took a deep breath and went on to speak in a calmer voice love sweetens life he said it is like sugar in children's physic here spudhole were you ever in love blimey not arf spudhole answered and winked i met arf a beggar with the birds that wench down at the farm that girl fifi is a nice snug parcel o love snoggers interrupted i haven't arf got my hand in down that quarter what do you think of her fitz who asked fitzgerald he had become suddenly alert ear him said bub winking at the sergeant old fitz ain't off a darger one o the nuts that's what he is fifi the girl at the farm said snogger in answer to fitzgerald's question you don't say much when you're down there and er in the room but your eyes are never off her i wouldn't say nothing against rolling her in the straw she came up to me and told me to put my hand in hers i obliged her then she said to me two sous for your thoughts i didn't tell her what i was thinking of but i didn't ar think snogger laughed loudly fitzgerald was silent bet yer was thinking something what wasn't good sarge said bub ay and old fitz has gone dotty on the wench said the sergeant i see it in his eyes botheration fitzgerald remarked i know the girl by sight and i know she makes good cafe au lait but i wouldn't even know her name until now sing a song fitz bub called out a good rousing song with air on it i paid no heed to that creation his taproom wit and yokel humour muttered fitzgerald turning to benner's but if you desire it give us a bit o a song fitz benner's replied give me a cigarette and i'll sing you a song that i love very much fitzgerald said it was sung in ireland by the old woman in the famine times when they were dying of starvation you must picture the famine-stricken leaning over their turf fires and singing their songs of desolation god i think it was turf fires that kept the race alive End of chapter 1